Hello everyone, welcome to the podcast for Better America with Frank. So in this episode, we want to take a chance to honor um, Martin Luther King. It's MLK Day here. Um, we're taking a break and uh, just wanted to, you know, maybe play some clips of him and um, just really share just his voice. And, you know, sometimes I always ask myself, who is the modern day Martin Luther King? especially for the black community because um, it seems like there's a lot of people that are more self-serving than they're serving for the cause or working for the people. And yes, we have some leaders, you know, in the community, but I think uh, we, you know, I was, I just asked myself, like, who, who is the next Martin Luther King? And even in today's um, political landscape, you could see that people are, you know, afraid to um, lose political office. Like, they're afraid to lose a term in the House or in the Senate or in the presidency. And they have an opportunity to go back. And um, it's it's kind of sad, actually, because in some of Matthew the King's speech, I've, I've watched a lot today, actually, and read some things. There's just a part of me that believes that he understood that his actions could lead to his death. Not him going to jail, not him losing status, not him being blackmailed, um, not him losing a political office, which he never held, but he could lose his life. Sometimes you can tell in his voice and his energy. And here we have politicians today that are afraid to just lose a position in Congress, although they will get paid for the rest of their life, although they will still have some camaraderie even if they're Congress people, like there is not like that sacrificial to lose office. I don't think we've achieved the dream that Martin Luther King set forward, but I think we're still achieving it. Like we cannot say America has not come far farther from his time, you know, in the sixties where he was already a, a young man or in, in the fifties, but you know, he was born, you know, earlier than that. So like in the thirties and forties and fifties, and then into the 60s, we cannot say that America has not come a long way. It, it, it really, really has from that time. But I think we've not properly achieved the dream in which he sought. So, for instance, let's look at the incarceration rate in states like Alabama, Mississippi, the income disparity between whites and black in those states, and economic mobility and the political aspects. So, what proportion of Alabama? Compared to the population of black people in that state, what population hold power? Whether it's the governor's mansion, the attorney general's office, um, what percentage of blacks are DAs in Alabama, what percentage of blacks are um, mayors and county um, election holders, even in those black populated areas, the same for Mississippi. What percentage, what percentage of blacks and African Americans are in the um, jails and in the prisons? Um compared to the population of the states. So yes, Martin Luther King was speaking into something, but it's almost like it's taking it's taking a different um turn today. So maybe it's not lynching, maybe it's not um um whipping, maybe it's not just blatant um refusal for education like it was in Mississippi Alabama, but now it's probably um you know Black opportunity now is probably higher incarceration rates. Now it's it's less so 
um, upward economic mobility in those societies. And I think he was speaking to all of those things. And I think we, we still have a lot of work to do in terms of accomplishing those things. And there was a statement he made that I really, really like in in um the speech I watched today. It says, why the law may not change the heart of man, it may change the habit of man if it's vigorously enforced. This was just deep for me. It says, why the law may not change the heart of man, it may change the habit of man if it is vigorously enforced. I mean, think about that. Yes, some people make a case, especially the conservatives, say you can't change laws to to change men. But boy, if you had laws that restricted judges from holding um certain prisons, stock for private prisons, if you had laws that that DAs have to act in the interest of the public, if you had laws that when sentencing someone, um we need to look at different factors. If you had laws that the Congress people, you know, if they know about a particular disaster or a particular um, problem that they cannot hold certain stocks, if you have laws that Congress people cannot hold different stocks, even in the defense community, you know, um, if you had laws that, I mean, look, laws, if you had laws that um, officers had to wear cameras, I mean, their, their behavior changes because it's not, Think about it. Like back in the days, people just say whatever they wanted. And now I'm a little bit, you know, conflicted with the way we're doing things today because, um, you know, everyone is taking offense to every statement made. And that's no way we want to be. But now with just the use of the internet, the people are in fact cautious of what they say. You know, um, if you have politicians not owning fossil fuel stocks or green energy stocks whatever if they're writing laws because it's look they're human beings and they're going to be affected by the bias to make a particular thing happen whether or not it's good for the public it's going to be good for them that's just the nature of human beings we're not immune of that and i think sometimes the law is a reflection of the consciousness of a nation Back in the days, no one would think about getting rid of death penalty. But today, there was a uprising movement and saying, let's not use the death penalty as often as we do. You know, back in the days, people said separate but equal. But if you look at a law that made separate but equal illegal, if you look at a law that allowed um, black kids to go to school and go to colleges, those were things that were done by law. In some instances, the National Guard had to intervene. In some instances, the Attorney General of the United States, along with the FBI, had to intervene because you now had laws through the civil rights law to allow for blacks to get education to outlaw separate but equal. You see, now if you have a conversation with a conservative fellow or with someone of certain views, they will say separate but equal was not good. But back then, if you had a debate they will say, oh, but these fountains, they both have fountains, right? They both have fountains to drink from. They both have schools. It's just a black school. It's just a white school. But today, no one says that unless you are actually, in fact, racist. Some people might dis- explain it philosophically, but because of the laws of change, and our generation can look at the consciousness 
of uh, and now the law has affected our consciousness for our generation and some of the laws we are making today will affect the consciousness of the next generation and this is why good laws are important this is why laws that are law evil is important so laws do affect our consciousness and this is why we need better laws so then the big government small government debate Let's work for our society and let's honor our Martin Luther King today. One day, this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will they be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood i have a dream that one day even the state of mississippi a state sweltering with the heat of injustice sweltering with the heat of oppression will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day down in Alabama with its vicious racist, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification. One day right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted. And every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain. And the crooked places will be made straight. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is the faith that I go back to the south with. With this faith. We will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, 
we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together. And whenever a building is constructed, you usually have an architect who draws a blueprint. And that blueprint serves as the pattern, as the guide, as the model for those who are to build the building. And a building is not well erected without a good, sound, and solid blueprint. Now each of you is in the process of building the structure of your lives. And the question is whether you have a proper, a solid, and a sound blueprint. And I want to suggest some of the things that should be in your life's blueprint. Number one in your life's blueprint should be a deep belief in your own dignity, your own worth, and your own somebodiness. Don't allow anybody to make you feel that you are nobody. Always feel that you count. Always feel that you have worth. And always feel that your life has ultimate significance. All we say to America is be true to what you said on paper. If I lived in China or even Russia or any totalitarian country, maybe I could understand some of these illegal injunctions. Maybe I could understand the denial of certain basic First Amendment privileges because they haven't committed themselves to that over there. But somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly. Somewhere I read of the freedom of speech. Somewhere I read of the freedom of press. Somewhere I read that the greatness of America is the right to protest far right. So just as I say we aren't going to let any dogs or water hoses turn us around, we aren't going to let any injunction turn us around. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. anybody I would like to live a long life longevity has its place but I'm not concerned about that now 
I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. I know you're asking today, how long will it take? Somebody's asking, how long will prejudice blind the visions of men? I come to say to you this afternoon, however difficult the moment, however frustrating the hour, it will not be long because truth crushed earth will rise again. How long, not long, because no lie can live forever. How long, not long, because you shall reap what you sow. How long, not long, Truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne. Yet that scaffold sways the future. Behind the dim unknown standeth God within the shadow, keeping watch above his own. How long? Not long. Because the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. How long? Not long. Because my eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He's trampling out the village where the grapes of wrath are stored. He's loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. He has sounded forth the trumpet that shall never call retreat. He is sifting out the hearts of men before his judgment seat. Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him. Be jubilant, my feet. Our God is marching on. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. political or even social maturity until racism is totally eradicated. Racism is exactly uh, what it says. It is a myth of the inferior race. It is a notion that a particular race is worthless and degraded innately. The tragedy of racism is that it is based not on an empirical generalization, but on an ontological affirmation. It is the idea that the very being of a people is inferior. Well, it may be true that morality cannot be legislated, but behavior can be regulated. It may be true that the law cannot change the heart, 
but it can restrain the heartless. It may be true that the law can't make a man love me, but it can restrain him from lynching me. And I think that is pretty important also. And so while the law may not change the hearts of men, it does change the habits of men if it's vigorously enforced. Well, I don't think of uh, love as, uh, in this context, as emotional bosh. I don't think of it as uh, a weak force. But I, I think of love as something strong and that organizes itself into powerful uh, direct action. Now, this is what I try to teach in the struggle in the South, that uh, we are not engaged uh, in a struggle that means we sit down and do nothing. Uh, that there's a great deal of difference between non-resistance to evil and non-violent resistance. Uh, non-resistance leaves, uh, leaves you in a state of stagnant passivity and deadened complacency. Wherein non-violent resistance means that you do resist in a very strong and determined manner. And I think some of the uh, criticisms of uh, nonviolence, or some of the critics, fail to realize uh, that we are talking about something very strong. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly for some strange reason. I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be, and you can never be what you ought to be until I am what I ought to be. Well, no, gentlemen, here's Reverend King. No matter how much he closes the Capitol, uh, no matter how much he tries not to see us, he will inevitably see us. He may not talk with us, but he will see us. He has already seen us. Our actions are the kind of communication that no man can overlook. And I think that witness itself will communicate and articulate, in a real sense, our deep longings and aspirations for freedom.